0: Baseball 365 podcast and here are your hosts Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 46 of the Baseball 365 podcast. My name is Justin Hughes and here with me as usual is my co-host Andrew McQuiston. Andrew how's it going man?
1: It is
2: going good. How are you? Yeah
0: I'm doing great. It's Thanksgiving week. i and- actually recording on a new microphone right now, so hopefully it sounds good for everybody listening right now. If not, well, this will probably be the one and only time I give it a whirl. <laughs>
2: yeah, got it. Got to try it once.
0: Yes. My wife works in podcasting and radio. She used to be on radio and she still does podcasting. And she came home with this gigantic microphone the other day and plugged it up. Th- and I thought, hmm, it may be time for me to give that thing a try. And well, it it looks professional it's like this huge old microphone that's i don't know it looks like something you'd see in a radio studio but um well all i care about is how it sounds and i think i sound more clear when i was listening to it but i guess i really won't know until we record this and find out for sure
2: yeah it's more uh more advanced than anything i've got so yeah i
0: you and i for everybody else all we've ever done is I've got Skype on my computer, and I call us both, and I've just been sitting here on my iPhone with my earbuds plugged in, and so have you, and it's worked just fine. I mean, quality, really, it's amazing where technology is today, where that's all you really have to do, and you can put out a quality podcast. It's a lot different than it used to be. Oh, yeah. So um, I guess before we get into the meat and the potatoes of the show, we'll talk about what we, we got here, which we've got... We're going to talk about the news. There's been some signings this last week, and this is part two of Steamer Projections, except this time I've got it on pitchers instead of hitters. I've got 15 or so, but, you know, Andrew, when I was filling this out, I was amazed. I only made it through, like, the top 50 of the NFBC ADP, and I was like, geez, I've already done 15 of these. I guess I need to stop, or we might make a (laughs) three-hour podcast. So (laughs)
2: we're going to talk about 15 guys easy to get carried away so probably good to cut it off there
0: yeah so before we get into that i thought i'd start this off and ask you a question you mentioned either last episode or recently that you're really into survivor have you been watching last week and if so how's it going
2: uh it's going good it's um they had kind of some touchy subjects pop up the last or a couple episodes ago and been kind of been kind of weird last couple episodes but it's good i mean it's still good
0: when you say touchy subjects are you meaning like some of those like hot button type things that really trigger people one way or another
2: no it's a lot more serious than that it's actually kind of exploded on social media and stuff probably not anything probably not anything i should talk about on the show but
0: <laughs> now you've got me curious and I'm gonna have to do a Google search whenever the podcast ends. Okay. Well, we'll just jump into signings and things going on. And first off, we'll talk about Jose Abreu. He signed his qualifying offer and then he signed with the White Sox for a three year fifty million dollar contract. Personally, I think I like this for both sides. What says what say you?
2: Yeah, yeah, I like it for both sides. Um uh, Abreu's solid good price. Yeah, good for both sides.
0: And he's what? I He's what, 32, 33 years old? Is that about right?
2: Yeah, I think thirty. I want to say
0: 32. Oh, pulling it open right now. But a 32-year-old who, you know, three years, they're starting to get their window opening up so he can be there as they start hopefully competing. And then they've also just got the Andrew Vaughn from last year's draft who should be up soon to where that's a nice little guy to... You know, they one can play first, one can DH if things are going well with Vaughn. And that's a pretty nice little way of having your, for, your corner infield locked up for a while.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's good.
0: Okay. okay. Well, next up, we got free agent Yasmani Grandal signed a four-year, $73 million contract with the White Sox last week. I have to say, things sure worked out for him. You know, he declined that qualifying offer last offseason. I think he went pretty far into the offseason not being signed and only got a one year deal, which I think he got a high payout for that one year. And then he declined, de- the option was declined, and I think he did not have compensation, draft pick compensation attached to him this go around and cashed into on another pretty nice four year deal. I think that co- not signing that qualifying offer and, you know, Ha- not having that tied to him, that really worked out for him this go.
2: Yeah, yeah, another good deal. Um, I love Grandal; he's a stud. Good, uh, good signing for the White Sox. Curious to see if it how it'll affect uh, some of their pitchers, possibly.
0: Yeah, isn't he a really good framer? Isn't that the book on him?
2: I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I'm well, not until- I'm not a hundred percent, but I, I'm pretty sure.
0: Until we have uh, automated strike zones, I guess that still matters. Yeah. Eventually, you know, pitch framers, that may mean nothing soon. If you're a good pitch framer, you might not have the value you once did. That could be real interesting here in about
2: five years or so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It'll change. It'll change a lot once they. Inevitably go to that. I think it probably will happen at some point, but maybe not in the immediate future.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. And speaking of catchers, moving on to the next one, Travis Darneau signed a with the Braves for a two-year, sixteen million dollar contract. Last year, Atlanta had Tyler Flowers and Brian McCann splitting time. And now it looks likely that Darneau and Flowers are going to split time behind the plate. And You know, I was thinking about it. It seems like more and more teams are going into the route of going with two catchers. Minnesota last year, they had Mitch Garver and Jason Castro. Washington had it with Jan Gomes and Suzuki. And Atlanta's been using two catchers. And personally, I think this is a real good strategy for competing teams to use if they don't have like a big-time superstar catcher like a, you know, I should— Yadi Molina has been that staple for the Cardinals. Posey was that for the Giants, um, the Cubs with Contreras, guys like that. But if you don't have one of those guys, grabbing two catchers that are average to slight, slightly above average and keep playing them every other day and keeping them both fresh, it just seems like a good strategy. And it's easier to do now more than ever with so many teams not competing and trying to save on payroll. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I um, I like I like Darno a decent amount, especially going to Atlanta. So I think those two will tandem up pretty good. They're both righties, so it's a little awkward, I guess. But uh, I would I would think he would play more than Flowers.
0: Yeah, uh, with the durability issues, I don't know if I was the Mets if I or the Braves if I would be doing that. I think I'd just be trying to play him, get 80 to 100 games, and I'd call it good.
2: Yeah, yeah, they may do that.
0: We'll see. And how much did he play behind the plate in Tampa last year? I think he played enough to like still qualify at catcher. But I know he was DH and playing first a lot too. Be curious to see.
2: Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, he do I. He had 391 plate appearances last year. So,
0: and had an impressive season in that 16 home runs, 251 average which is solid and in 393 91 appearances still had 70 69 RBI. That's a that's a real solid season. You know, I remember he was part of the Roy Halladay trade years ago. Or yeah. was it was it Halladay?
2: I think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh no. Was it
0: I think it was because yeah, he was with the Phillies from 2007 to nine, and then he went to the Blue Jays.
2: Yeah, that sounds right.
0: He was the big piece in that return, and you know, he, <laughs> I remember him being this elite prospect at the time. And it just—I mean, last year was probably the best year he's had in his career. That's crazy as a twenty, thirty-year-old catcher.
2: Yeah, it is. It's it hasn't quite panned out like you thought but yeah he's he's all right i mean he's not too bad he was in the holiday trade
0: okay okay
2: next up we're gonna move on to
0: evan white prospect for the mariners he signed a six-year 24 million dollar contract with the mariners and you know he was in double a most of this past season and he hit 293 with 18 home runs in 92 games in double a and with a strong spring training, he may get a spot on the opening day roster now. So I got two questions for you, Andrew. First, do you like this contract more for the team or player?
2: Uh, I think I like it more for the team.
0: Okay. Why, why is that? Why do you like it more for the team than the player?
2: Uh, I think he's a good prospect and I think that it ties him up for a while and the money isn't, it's just not a lot. It's 4 million a year. I mean, that's not bad at all, especially when you consider that if he really exploded, I mean, obviously the, the deal is going to look fantastic. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's going to burn him really either way.
0: Yeah, I think it's really good. I think I like it more for the player than the team, but I think it's great for both sides. He's 23 years old right now. So that means if if he hadn't signed, he might not be up till it might be later in the year before he comes up and if he's up on opening day now, he could be I mean regardless, he's yeah. under the clock started. So and he's only guaranteed now 6 years of control. So yeah he becomes a free agent at the age of 29 as compared to 30 or 31. So I just, I think it's real good signing. I I don't think there's going to be that much money. That would be different if he was to explode onto the scene and he's guaranteed 24 million too. So I think I like it slightly more for the player, but it's great. It's just great for both sides.
2: He's going to, he's going to be up opening day. I'm pretty, pretty confident.
0: Um. Secondly, what are your thoughts on him as a prospect overall? I don't think you and I have really talked about him much, if at all.
2: Uh, I mean, he's – I think he's solid. Like, I don't kind of question the the power a little bit, like people kind of always have with him. But uh, he should hit, and with that, you know, could come some power. He, he hasn't shown too much of it in the, in the minors, so – It's it's weird because, you know, when you're a first baseman, you kind of have to have that Mm
1: -hmm. to have
2: impact in fantasy. Um, Whether he will or not, I mean, kind of a coin flip, I think. His WRC pluses have been good in the minors. I think he's a good prospect. I don't think he's likely to completely explode, but I don't know. I mean, I think he's just good. Yeah, I th- I don't think there's much of
0: a... I'm not really thinking that he's got superstar upside. 18 home runs in 92 in Double A in 92 games is solid for a A because that is not where you have the juice ball, but it's not like you can take that and translate it into the majors, especially when he's playing half of his games in Safeco Field. And that's another hard part for him. You know, being a lefty power hitter in that park is not easy. So... Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. It's just a good but not great prospect who should, I think I'm with you, should have playing time early if not opening day.
2: Yeah, and I I do think, though, with opportunity, you know, sometimes with opportunity comes more than you expected. uh, I was looking at his bad at ball data on Rotowire, and his hard hit percentage was really good. So there could be some power coming.
0: And if the ball doesn't change much, I say the power upside may not be great. You just never know what the new, what the ball, the way it is right now. If it is still a juice ball, who knows? Maybe instead of hitting 20 to 25 home runs, he is hitting 30. Just it's hard to project power right now and figure it out with kids coming up with the way the ball is.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, Next up, Josh Reddick. He underwent arthroscopic surgery on his left shoulder on this past Friday he hit 275 with 14 home runs and 56 RBI this past year, and next year is the final year of that four-year contract he signed with the Astros a few years back. I think it was for 52 million. He's supposed to be ready, fully recovered for spring training, and this is my question. It really doesn't have as much to do with Reddick as this. His performance is. Who do you think gets more plate appearances in 2020, Reddick or Kyle Tucker?
2: Man, that's tough. I hope it's Tucker. I mean, I don't really, I haven't really seen anything to lead me to believe that it's going to be the case, though.
0: It's hard so, to tell.
2: I would though, say Reddick.
0: I have no idea. I asked you this question. I don't have an answer because I don't feel strongly about it either way. I am. Um, I think it's a good sign for Tucker that he was at least on the playoff roster and he got some starts in there, but that's comparing to a year ago when he wasn't even on the playoff roster. Do you think do you think Kyle Tucker's on the opening day roster, not lineup, but roster?
2: It'll depend some on what happens this offseason I would think, but uh probably I don't know. They they've been jerking him around so much. I I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised either way.
1: Yeah.
0: I think he will, just because they brought him up. I think they brought him even up before September 1st. I could be wrong on that.
2: What do they but, have him I'm trying to pull up his um, steamer has him for 258 plate appearances, Tucker? Tucker, I'm sh- okay. I'm sure they have Reddick for more than that, I would think.
0: I would think uh, if I was projecting him, I would project something like 450 to 475.
1: That's exactly Let's what, what I
2: was going to say. Yeah, 431. Yeah. I was to okay. say 450. So, yeah, I mean, I think you have to take Reddick, but uh, I hope I'm wrong because I truly think that Tucker is better than Reddick. I mean, yes. why wouldn't you just take that shot on, you know, the potential star? I mean,
0: and it's the last year of the contract. Teams are more likely gonna, to make those moves on the last year.
2: Yeah, it's not going to burn you if Kyle Tucker is, you know, if t- Kyle Tucker is a disappointment, isn't he Josh Reddick? Yeah. You know, it's like, why wouldn't you just go with him? I, I don't know.
0: I, and I if I recall, George Springer is a free agent after next year. So they've got that looming, too. And I'm sure they want to know more about Tucker before that happens because, With all these contracts coming up, I mean, they're going to, yeah, he's a springer's on the last year of his deal. And I don't, I mean, Houston's got a lot of money tied up in players and they've got more coming into free agency in the next few seasons. There's a chance they may have to let him walk and then they need Kyle Tucker. I think that's part of why they've held on to him when it seemed like they just desperate. They needed to trade him in those last year or so. I wonder if that's why they've held on to him.
2: Yeah, it could be very well. could be the case.
0: And moving on, uh, the Braves stocked up on relief pitchers early in the offseason here. They've signed Will Smith to a three-year $39 million contract and Chris Martin to a two-year $14 million deal. And they're saying that Melanson will still be the closer next year. But, Andrew, I have a draft and hold starting up next week. It's a bunch of us from Roto Masters Leagues. And you and I, we're going to do a podcast over the draft when it's complete. And you're not playing in the draft, so you're going to get the opportunity to cherry-pick apart my team when we do that show. But my question for you, if you had a draft and hold taking place next week, which Atlanta in the bullpen, which Atlanta pitcher in their bullpen are you taking first, and how close is it?
2: Uh, Probably taking Melanson, but it's pretty close. And I actually would probably just take the last guy. Like, I yeah. wouldn't, I'd, be, I'd be more likely to take Will Smith or Chris Martin later than Melanson first.
1: And I if I did take Melanson
2: of-
0: first, I think I'd be trying to take Will Smith very quickly afterwards. Just do that one of those yeah. two for one to try to protect yourself.
2: Yeah, I think Will Smith's better. I mean, it yeah, just, agreed. I don't, you know, sometimes teams are weird with lefties, and but yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd take Melanson before Smith, but not by not by much, and I would just wait, I think, and take you know the second or third option, just because I feel like it's kind of fluid and it could change pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. We're in agreement uh finally the yankees dfa'd jacoby ellsbury and greg bird and i'll start with bird first who he sure had a fall from grace in the last two years he was such a sexy trendy name in drafts two years ago but he just hasn't been able to stay healthy and things haven't worked out but for ellsbury things really didn't work out i was reading a buster only tweet this last week and said something like he was with the organization for six years after signing that seven-year, $153 million deal after 2013. And in those six years, he's combined to play 520 games. He scored 273 runs and had an adjusted OPS plus of 95. And he's, as Buster said, this goes down in history as one of the worst signings ever.
1: Yikes.
2: Yeah, man. It's pretty sad. I mean, I uh, feel like it's just been forever since he even played with him. So pretty rough for yeah. Kobe Ellsbury.
0: And he was such a fun guy not too long ago. I mean, there were seasons, uh, if you, you go look, in 2013 he had 52 steals. He had 39 in his first year with the Yankees, 39. He had Actually, he had 70 in 2009. Could you imagine – Having a player with seventy steals in today's game, just
2: yeah, feels you're unheard talking of. Ten, you're talking ten years ago, though. I mean, I, I feel like he's been irrelevant for forever.
0: Oh yeah, he well, has. But I in mean, this day
2: four or five years.
0: Man, that would have been nice. I'm just. It, oh my, I forgot about 2011. 2011. That he almost. I don't know if he won MVP or almost did. But that was the year he blew up with 32 home runs and stole 39 bases. I completely yeah. forgot about that.
2: Yep, yeah. He didn't win MVP, though, I don't think. I'm no. pretty positive he did
0: A third of his career home runs were hit that year.
2: <laughs> Gee. that's yeah, it's wild.
0: Okay, you ready to get into some steamer projections?
1: Yep. Let's do it.
0: okay well a few weeks ago the steamer projections for the 2020 season were dropped into fan graphs giving a lots of great reading for people this past week and we did hitters on this last episode so if you want to hear us talk about a bunch of hitters go download the most recent episode but Andrew for those who may not be familiar with the steamer I thought I'd ask you this question first why don't you tell the listeners why people like their projection system so much
2: Well, I just think it's the most mainstream one, you know. That everybody seems to kind of grab grab hold of. I mean, there's other ones that are fine, too, but uh, typically they're just the ones that get mentioned the most. I, why that is, I don't even exactly know, to be honest, but just kind of always been that way, it seems like. Yeah,
0: they're on fan graphs and. People think that they're pretty accurate, but I I mean, when you look at other um, projection systems that are on fan graphs that I don't even know who they are, they're all really close. So I guess they're all really digging into the same stuff. I feel like they're –
2: no, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say it's a good way to get a good view as you're looking at players and seeing what the projection systems are putting out for them, and it doesn't mean that that's what you can expect. But as you're building teams and you're trying to build up all these categories, it's a good way to be looking at your rosters going in and making sure that you're not leaving too much out there.
2: Yeah, I feel like they're uh, pretty conservative for the most part. Yes. Like, if you're you're, uh, in on somebody, you probably just think their steamer projections are too low, just in general. I mean, not speaking about anybody specifically, just, just overall, you know? Um, But that said, I mean, some of that they're probably factoring in for potential injuries and stuff like that too, because obviously guys can get hurt and always do. And uh, yeah, there's reason for all of that, but I just feel like if you're high on a guy, you're always going to feel like their steamer projection is, pretty uh pretty conservative
0: that's the truth and rookies I feel, especially
2: i feel like even if i'm not sometimes i feel like they are
0: yeah rookies especially a, a lot of guys you'll look up and you think that they're going to be up in april and you'll see they're projected for 200 at bats and it's just yeah they're they're conservative for sure okay let's let's get going here first one Lucas Giolito. He had a big breakout this last year with a 3-4 ERA with 228 strikeouts in 176 innings. Uh, Steamer projects a big stack, step backwards this year. He's, they're projecting him for a 4.39 ERA. And I can see that happening, but projection still seems kind of high. So, Andrew, over under 4.1 is where I'm going to set it at for, for 2020. Under. So you're you're going well better than what Steamer's projecting then.
2: Well, I mean it's uh, it's four thirty nine. That it just seems crazy to me. I guess he could go backwards, but yeah, I definitely think it's too high. I think he's a stud. I think his ERA will be in the threes.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. He had a he was so good last year and. He found velocity in his fastball, and the only thing that would give me pause is if I heard in spring training he's mostly throwing 90-91 again, then I would get pause. But outside of that, yeah, I'm with you. I, th- I expect a nice second year for him. And he missed a lot, I think the last month or month and a half with injury. Had he actually been able to stay healthy and keep performing at that kind of rate? We're talking about a guy that might have had 275 strikeouts last year. That's just, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, he was just crazy good. I mean, pretty much from start to finish, it was consistent, you know, real good. And it's not like it was unexpected. I mean, he always had the pedigree, just had a mm-hmm. couple rough years, had a couple rough years in there. But I remember saying in the preseason shows last year, like it wouldn't completely shock me mm-hmm. if that something like that happened. And honestly, I wasn't really shocked at all like throughout all that that was going on with him it just um just didn't surprise me that much
0: yeah i remember you saying that and i remember us talking about that and him being one of those guys like you want to take him late just in case it may not work and you could probably dump him pretty quick if that's the case but he was a guy who i took in the reserve round of a redraft league and it was uh, it was one of my leagues that went poorly but that was that one of the best picks I made, probably the best pick I made last year, because it's one of those that no risk and ended up popping.
2: Yeah, anytime a guy has a like a high pedigree like that, and everybody's jumping off, it, it's Good time not to jump a, it's on. Not the, yeah, it's not the worst thing in the world to just consider it, especially if it's basically free. I, I think I got him in my fifty round nfbc draft and hold in january in like round 33 yeah so i mean that's pretty ridiculous considering he was like a top 10 pitcher yep he won a lot of leagues last year for
0: people um number two number two i actually have two pitchers in here because their projections were so close shane bieber and Jack Flaherty, Bieber had 259 strikeouts, a 3.2 ERA, in 214 innings this last year, and Jack Flaherty was um, also had a incredible year. was up there in the Cy Young voting, and Bieber's projected for a 3.68 ERA. Flaherty's projected for 3.62, and you know, my question is, which of these two pitchers that had big breakouts this year? Would you bet on carrying that over their success in next year with the who would you draft first? Let me just ask it that way instead of going the ERA game. Who are you drafting first?
2: I think for me it's Flaherty. But I wouldn't be surprised if the uh the consensus was Bieber, or at least the majority was Bieber. But yeah, <laughs> Flaherty Flaherty for me.
0: I'm with you on Flaherty. I'll be curious. I think Flaherty's going to go first. I I feel like I've seen him go in the second round in drafts, and I'm I not sure I've seen looked, Bieber go.
2: Yeah, I haven't looked real close at uh, ADPs yet, but I don't know. I think Flaherty's lack of a good fastball is going to come back to bite him one of these years. Some, but obviously – you said Flaherty or Bieber? At, or uh, Bieber, I'm sorry. Okay. Bieber. Yeah. I thought
0: you meant Bieber.
2: Yeah. Bieber's fastball just isn't a good pitch, really, you know? And it's, I just think that's going to eventually catch up with him. But it may not be next year. He could still be awesome. I mean, he's still really good. But yeah, I just, I like Flaherty more.
0: It's incredible that Bieber, this guy who was in the minors just two years ago, and he had a K per nine of like eight. in 2017, and now here he is striking out almost 11 batters per nine in the bigs this last year. Definitely didn't see that coming.
2: Yeah, I tell you, there's something with, uh, just going back to Flaherty, and I've always thought this when I watch Flaherty, there's something about that guy that he just, like, owns that mound when he's out there. He's just, Mm -hmm. I've thought that since he came up and was, like, 22, like yeah. just his his um his presence out there it's just like i'm the dude i'm getting you out deal with it like i don't know there's just like an attitude that he has uh confidence kind of yeah. maybe slightly maybe slightly bordering on cocky but <laughs> not to the point it's annoying um and yeah he just knows he's good and i've just always Like that about him i've always kind of felt that when i've watched a pitch yeah i just i think he's a monster but it's gonna be interesting to watch him next year Bieber's obviously really good too so
0: all right well next up we got chris sales steamer loves him after he had the worst year of his career this last year with a 4-4 era and only 147 innings and they're projecting him to rebound just fine with a 3.19 era um, mind I add his ERA in 2017 was 2.9 and in 2018 it was 2.11. So it's higher than it's been the previous couple of years, but still I think that's a pretty. I think if owners draft Chris Sale and get a 3.25 ERA next year, they should be pretty happy. But what's your over or under 3.25? Where are you taking?
2: Um, I think the over or the uh, the over. Yeah, I think I'm going to take the over.
0: Yeah, I'm I, with you.
2: On I that. think that it's uh, I mean, I think Chris Sale is capable of pretty much anything, that's yes. pretty clear. But yeah, I mean, 325 It's that's pretty good, even if you over it. So,
0: I'll take oh, yeah, it over. especially with the K per nine, but the fastball velocity being down this past year early on in the season, getting knocked around the elbow there's just so many things that make you make you wary and I mean if he drops enough it may be worth the shot but I don't know I was I think I said on a podcast in July or August that I couldn't see myself drafting him as a top 15 pitcher even and I think you gave me a little brush back on that saying you think you might do you still feel that way am I remembering that right you think you'd take him as top 15
2: I'm looking it's funny you say that so I pulled up the NFBC ADPs so far, Mm -hmm. just because I was looking for, uh, Flaherty and Bieber, uh, there's been 10 drafts. So it's, you know, limited sample, obviously, but Flaherty's the seventh pitcher off the board and Bieber's the eighth. So they're back to back, uh, basically going late second in a 15 team league. Twenty-six and twenty-nine are their ADP. Sales, the eleventh pitcher off the board. So,
0: number eleven. Okay, just to, I'm give,
2: lo- an, just to give an idea, because I just pulled it up. So,
0: well, let's play a him or him game then with this guy. I'm looking at the list right now too, and uh, well, I'm going to go above him first and say Steven Strasburg.
2: So, what I'm going to say with Sale, and it's just kind of like universal with this, it's it's pretty much all going to come down to what they're saying come March. Okay. Like, I feel like he could be the best pitcher in the league. I still think that. But if he's, I don't know, you know, if, if it's not good, then, I mean, he's go, he'll be, I won't take him ahead of any of these guys, behind him even.
1: Yeah, so it just kind is, of
2: all depends. I would take right now if I'm drafting today, I would take Strasburg.
0: That's where what I'm gonna saying. play. I've got a draft and hold in a in a week. And I know you draft have I think you do an NFBC draft in January every year too, right? I
2: usually usually, yeah. I was thinking about it so, a little earlier, but
0: so that means there may not be news when you're drafting in a couple months. Right. Let's just say you're drafting right now. Okay. What about Bieber? Right now.
2: I'd probably take Beaver.
0: Okay. We're gonna move down and go into we'll go Aaron Nola. Sale. I think I'm taking Nola. We're gonna keep going down and see how far I'll go with this. Paddock at fourteen.
2: Sale. I'd take uh, I'll probably take. I'm probably taking sale over these guys below him. Uh, maybe not Luis Castillo. I like him quite a bit, but.
0: Yeah, Castillo's kind of low for my liking yeah. here. But I think I'm not taking sale looking at this until after Clayton Kershaw at 17. I think I'm taking, right, once we get to Luis Severino, I think that's where my line is.
1: Where yeah,
2: I'm yeah. like, it's, okay. It's, uh it's all it's fair i mean it it's a ri- it's risky but it the payoff is higher than all these guys right agree so agrees just depends on how much risk you can stomach
0: after taking pitchers in like the first and third round of my draft and hold this past year and stomaching what i did <sighs> painful when i drafted sale in the first and severino in the third and you know what I could take two guys who were healthy this year and the same thing could happen and sale could be healthy, but I just, yeah, I, it's,
2: uh, I don't know. I like last year it was all the, you always heard the Strasburg stuff and then, mm-hmm. you know, he was fine. And I don't know. I just sales every time, you know, sales just always awesome. I, uh, this year, I guess he wasn't, but, the underlying numbers still say that he was, I, yeah. I still feel like he's a stud when he's out there, it's just how much he will be. But if he's out there for anywhere close to 200 innings, it's a lock ace. I mean, it's yeah. just, you know, so,
0: well, I'm with you on the over on three, two, five. I'll say that. I don't know. Yeah. I, think, gonna... I think I'm a
2: little higher than you on him, but not yeah. that not that much, though. I mean, no. I understand the risk.
0: Well, we'll move on here and move back to Chris Paddock, who we were just saying. He had a real good year, rookie year, 3.33 ERA, 153 strikeouts, 140 innings last year. They're projecting his innings to get up to 163 this year. ERA slipping back to a 3.89 with 175 strikeouts. You know, I don't know if I'm the high man I don't think I'm the high man on Paddock But 3.89 feels high Given just what he did So I'm going to move the over under to 3.6 For Paddock next year What do you got?
2: I think that's about right
0: (laughs) Okay So in other words If it was 3.89 you'd be taking the under
2: I think I would take the uh, I think it's in between those two yeah, I would take the under three
0: point eight nine. Okay, I'm with you maybe, there.
2: Maybe the over or the other. I don't
0: know. It's close. All right. Well, just keep moving along. We still got eleven more of these to do. Tyler Glass. Now that guy was having a fantastic year last year in the first half before that injury in May. He had a one point eight six ERA and fifty five strikeouts in forty eight innings. He was right there as the best pitcher in baseball before that injury knocked him out. For most of the rest of the season, they worried it might be Tommy John, but he made it back at the end of the year, was pitching out of the bullpen, going into the playoffs, and I think he started one of those playoff games, didn't he? Uh,
2: yeah, pretty sure yeah. he did, yeah.
0: Yeah, so should expect him to be ready to go at the beginning of the season because he was back for the playoffs and th- starting games and going four-plus innings, I think. And Steamer has him projected to throw 163 innings next year with a 3-7 ERA. So I'm going to take the – when I say over, under on ERA, whenever we're combining it with other things, I more mean positive or negative in terms of like he's got an ERA that's going to be better than 3-7 or worse than 3-7. So this is kind of backwards from normal because if I say over, under on 163 innings and 3-7, that could be, that could be misconstrued. I definitely want to explain that. Yeah. So
2: I uh, I always think with under on ERA is better. Yeah,
0: yes. But, but whenever you're combining yeah. it with others to do a split here, we're just going to have right. to do a better or worse. So better or worse between 163 innings and 370 ERA or split?
2: Uh, I think the – I will take – Slightly under on the innings, like 155 or so, right around
1: 160
2: maybe. And but I I think the ERA will be better than 370.
0: That's exactly what I was gonna say. I think this guy's a monster. I don't know about his elbow. It's this is another guy who's got the warning signs on the elbow from how that injury, but Man, if he's healthy, he was so good in that yeah, early part this, of the season. I remember us doing a podcast and you bringing up that it's like your mind changed on him quick after watching him in April.
2: Yeah, this is a guy right now It's showing him as the 20th pitcher off the board. I think if you feel really good about your ace, he's the perfect guy to draft. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want him as my number one, but... He's the perfect guy to take, I think, as your second, if you feel awesome, you know, like you've got the lock ace, probably one of the top five to ten guys, you know. I think I think he's a really good number two because his upside's ridiculous. I mean, it's as high as guys that are in the top ten, I think, you know.
0: Oh yeah. Imagine taking like a Garrett Cole in the first round. And taking yeah. a couple bats in a row, and then deciding, all right, I'm just gonna shoot for the moon here and go for Tyler Glass. Now, you could have the best two pitchers in baseball next year if Glass now stays healthy. There's a chance
2: of that. Yeah, yeah, I would feel good with like Verlander and Glass now, or mm-hmm. Flaherty and Glass now. I, I wouldn't want like Sale and Glass now. I mean, that's <laughs> too much, uh, that's too much risk to stomach. I think, but. Yeah, I mean, I like Glassnow.
0: Here's one thing I can promise you. Next week after I fin- or when we do that podcast with the draft and hold, I will not have Sail and Glassnow both on my team. <laughs> you can be guaranteed that.
2: <laughs> Man, it is a lo- it is a lot of upside. <laughs>
0: yes, Man, yes.
2: It a is. lot of risk. <laughs> yeah.
0: After what I dealt with last year, I don't think I could bring myself to stomaching both of them. I think I mean, sale. I don't think is going to be on any of my squads, but I could see myself getting glass now. I think, I'm. I I think that one I could let myself get burned on, because at least there's you're getting a discount with them at 20, and you're getting a discount on sale at 11. So,
2: I even think like Kershaw glass now would be a good tandem. Wow. But
1: yeah.
0: Okay, we'll move on. Shohei Otani, he's a year removed from Tommy John surgery. I think I saw that he's cleared to pretty much get throwing now, and he's in good, looking good to be ready for on the mound and for spring training like a normal offseason. And Steamer sure is optimistic on his hitting also. I noticed that they have him getting a 542 at-bats, which I think is crazy high and not happening, but with 28 home runs and 12 steals. But pitching-wise... They're being more conservative with 137 innings pitched and a 378 ERA with 167 strikeouts. So over, under, or I guess better or worse, two out of those three categories.
2: I think the strikeouts are close. I'd take the uh, the under on the ERA. I think it'll be better than 378 and the innings i think i would take slightly under i yeah. just think they're going i just think they're going to be so careful like just um i don't think they're going to push him hard at all i just think that it will be you know i wouldn't be surprised if it was 100 to 120 innings
0: completely agree with all three things you have said there i would that, was, that definitely would be the way i'd take it
2: too under Especially the uh, way I think, guys are going,
0: and they're going to try being competitive this year. Let's say they sign a Garrett Cole and they go get themselves another bat. That seems like they're going to be. This is the offseason they're going to get moving and trying to compete. And maybe they're cruising and playing really well. I mean, it's going to be tough in the AL West with the Astros there, but maybe they're still looking real good for a wild card, and they just be a little more conservative with him because they need him for the playoffs too. Could you imagine Otani in October? I hadn't even thought about that until now.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't think regardless if they are competing for a playoff spot or not, I, I think they're going to be careful no matter That's what. That's fair. Like That's fair. I don't care what the situation is. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of my vibe on it. Curious to see where uh, where he's going. I don't even yeah. know. Is he is he even listed as a pitcher? I don't. I don't think he's listed as a pitcher on NFBC. just because he wasn't one last year, but
0: that's a good question. I'm trying to. I'm looking up not. utilities. I'm
2: looking. I'm looking. It's
0: okay. I'll get to probably talk. Bad, and then. Probably
2: bad podcasting to just sit here and look, but I found him. Yeah, 70, seventy-fourth overall. overall. Yeah, yeah.
0: In a in a league where you can only start him as a hitter or a pitcher in a weekly league, there's no way I'm taking him right there. But mm. in a daily league, I think we've talked about this before. He's going to be fascinating to talk about for where to take him in a daily league or in a league where you're getting both both hitter and pitcher stats because it's a lot higher than 74 to me I know that
2: Yeah I'm not positive how NFBC uh how they even handle him So I don't I don't know what that 74 ADP is reflecting really like if it's being able to use him as both I'm not really sure but i would
0: think it's one but that's just me assuming because if he's both i don't think he's going 74 i think well
2: they're not, I, they're not daily leagues though
0: i know so, i know but that's, that's that why too. i'm in a weekly league if you're not getting both stats i think he's going if if you're getting both stats even in a weekly league i think you're i think he's going higher than 74 yeah it's only 10 drafts i mean yeah hard, that's fair This next one, I'm really curious to get your uh, thoughts on because I know how high out you were on him two years ago, and that would be Trevor Bauer. He had that great season in 2018, but his ERA in four of the last five or has been over four in five of the last six seasons. And last year was a disappointment, but Steamer has him projected for 388 ERA in 213 innings. So I'm setting the line at four. Are you going over or under four ERA for Bauer?
2: Whew, uh, I'll take the under. I think it'll be better than four.
0: Okay. I'm going to. How strongly do you feel about that?
2: Not real strong.
0: Uh, okay. Thinking, oh, I might be able to get a three sixty-five bet on that one because I think I'd go over. I mean, I don't feel great about it, but I would have been willing to put that one up.
2: I like him to bounce back, but I mean, ERA is just—it's just so—it's hard.
0: Yeah,
2: it's hard to bet on.
0: I don't know if I'd be saying this if he was still pitching in Cleveland. I don't think I would. But the fact that he's pitching in Cincinnati in that band box, I think that's why I'm taking the over.
1: It's just. That's
0: such a small park to pitch in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: it definitely is.
0: uh, Next up, we got Hyunjin Ryu. I hope I pronounced that even remotely close. I'm terrible at saying his name. Uh, 2.32 ERA and 1.97 in the last two seasons. Those are his two ERAs the last two years. And Steamer doesn't love him, though. He's projected for a 4.05 ERA. That seems pretty high, so I'm going to set it, the line at three six, over under three six.
2: Slightly over four hundred five is too high, though I
0: think. So you're going in between. Yeah, I'm going to take the under on three six, even. I think I, if I was guessing, I'd be saying three four, three five. So I'm real close. Yeah, it's totally fair. We're in the same ballpark. Okay, Jesus Lazardo, number nine he missed a lot of last year only throwing 41 innings that said he's projected to throw 147 innings next year with a 3.96 ERA over or I should say better worse or split on the 147 and 3.96 ERA
2: uh, i'll say the under on the innings and i think the ERA will be in the threes, so
0: yeah, I'm with you on both of those. Hate to be boring, but that that would be my projection too. I he, it's hard to go from 41 innings and having all the shoulder problems he had to throwing yeah. over 147 throwing 147 innings this year. I mean, it could happen, but he's had a lot
2: of injury problems over the years. Yeah, yes, I don't think they're going to push him too much either. No, I agree.
0: Okay. Zach Gallen, he had a really nice rookie campaign, 2.8 ERA in his first 80 major league innings after being really, really good in the minor leagues. And Steamer isn't so promising for him, though. They have him with a 4.21 ERA. So, over-under, 4-2.
2: I got to dig into him a little bit more, but I'm tempted to say over. Really? Yeah.
0: What what Joe? I know you just said you need to dig into him more. What has you wondering and thinking you you would take the over? I'd be curious to hear this. I don't know much. I haven't watched Gallon Pitch hardly at all.
2: Um, I don't know. I just guys in Arizona. Um, I don't know. I just low fastball velocity and. I, I could see it going backwards a little bit with him. He's pretty hyped right now, and rightfully so. I mean, he kind of exploded onto the scene a little bit, but I, uh, I think there's probably some regression due for sure. So, you know, yeah, yeah, we'll knowing, what
1: I'd, knowing what
0: i knowing what I had heard about him when he came up, both his strikeouts and walks per nine are both surprising to me for what they were in those first eighty innings. I mean, he's striking out 10.8 per nine in the majors in those 80 innings, but he also walked four per nine, 4.05 to be exact. I didn't expect either of those to be that high. I mean, I would heard he was a low fastball guy, seemed to have a decent-looking floor to him, but not the greatest upside. And well, 10 strikeouts per nine is pretty, almost 11, is pretty awesome. But
2: I mean, what's the, walking guys? What's the league? What was the league average ERA? Do you know offhand?
0: I don't. If you had me guessing, I, I three He's
2: like a. I think he's like a league average pitcher. Basically. I'm but i don't to... think it's th- I don't think it's three eight. I definitely don't think it's three eight. I think see. it's like four two. Four one somewhere in there. I'm guessing though. I don't know for sure. Yeah, I would. I'm... I would think it's higher than three eight.
0: Major League Baseball average ERA was four point four nine last year.
2: <laughs> Shoot. Yeah, that. What are you look? Where are you looking at?
0: Uh, I typed it in. I'm on ESPN.com and uh, MLB team stats 2019, and it showed all 30 teams what their ERAs were, and then below it, it showed the American League, National League, and the m- m- baseball as a, to- a whole. I just Google searched. Yeah, uh, MLB two thousand nineteen ERA.
2: Counts. Yeah, so that's counting. That's counting like middle relievers. And yes. All
0: oh, you them. asked yeah. for starting pitchers.
2: Well, I, that's what I was. I was just thinking along the lines of starting pitchers with you know whatever you want to call it, a hundred innings or eighty innings or. I mean, whatever. But yeah, it's what around that. I I think he's like a league average pitcher. I guess was my point.
0: Okay. Yeah, dang it. I thought I was as a starter, I thought I was getting it, but I don't think I'm getting there. Though, so I'm just going to move on. Cuz so I can't figure I was trying to figure that out. I don't want to take too much time here though. So, moving on, Liam Hendricks took over the role as the closer for the A's after Blake Trinan dealt with injuries and struggles. Steamer projects him with 31 saves. So, this is more of a question of do you think he holds the year for holds the role for most of the most of the year? So over or under thirty one saves. Under. So you're you're thinking he he might he's not
2: likely to hold the gig all year. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah, he can't. I mean, he definitely can. I mean, he had a really, really, really good season. But let's not forget Blake Trinan had a yep. better season the year before. And look at him now. I mean, these relievers, it's all it takes is like a few bad outings and all of a sudden somebody else gets a save opportunity and has a couple good ones and boom, they're out of the role. Edward yeah. Diaz was the same way, you know? Yeah. And I mean, he, I'm not like comfortably projecting over 31 saves for really anybody. I mean, it, it's not, the list is very short. Liam Hendricks definitely isn't on it.
0: I'm not sure. Kinley Jansen got over that number. And if he did, it was barely. With his year, he had last year.
2: Yeah, it's uh, – I mean, there will be guys that get it, but, oh,
1: yeah.
2: you know, it's just – it doesn't take much. A few a few bad outings, mechanical adjustment, eight, eighth-inning guys pitching lights out, all of a sudden he's the ninth-inning guy, the saves flip, you know. It just – it happens all the time with good pitchers. And, man, I tell you, last year Diaz and Trinan being the top two closest <laughs> off the board – How can you be confident in anything anymore with those guys?
0: I was all about taking closers early last year. And I know just looking at some drafts that that has been abandoned this year. Like nobody's taking closers in the third, fourth, fifth round right now. It just, I think it was last year was a big learning experience for the field.
2: It's probably being overcompensated for though. Yes, because I still think I still think that like a roll this Chapman. Yes, probably deserves to go high. Mm -hmm. You know,
0: I wouldn't be taking him in the third round, maybe not even the fourth, but I'm uh, jumping in on him in the fifth. If he's still there, I'm not going to run completely away. I'm not going to go Edwin Diaz crazy where I think I was willing to take Diaz in the top of the fourth, maybe even the end of the third.
2: But I think it was fourth. Yeah, it looks like looks like Chapman's going like at the end of six, early seventh. Give me that, and Osuna, cool. Osuna like right after. Yeah,
0: gladly take either of them at that price. Okay. Yeah, it um, seems,
2: seems pretty good.
0: to Nelson Lemaitre. he was a trendy name in drafts a few years ago, but unfortunately, he tore his UCL and had Tommy John surgery in twenty eighteen, but. He returned last summer and pitched decently. A lot I don't think I even noticed this until looking at his stats at just yes the other day when I was making these notes. But Steamer projects him for 175 innings, 221 strikeouts, and an ERA at 375. And man, that's a really strong pitcher if he was to do that. So better or worse, two of those three categories.
2: I like Lamette, but this is one spot where I think steamers off. I would take the under in innings, though it's probably pretty close. Uh, the under in Ks, ERA is probably about right.
0: Yeah, I'm agreeing on that. Do you know what pitcher number do you have? Just give me a guess on what pitcher number you think he's going in NFBC rankings right now without. Hopefully you didn't see it.
2: Uh, I didn't see it. Uh, 50. You're close. 45.
0: Man, that's, that's a, just seeing what he did last year, is strikeouts that's, per nine and performance. And you're not drafting last year's stats. I hear you say that a lot because that doesn't guarantee it, but it tells me that there's a lot of upside in him if he was to hit, man, that's a guy who could go Giolito on the league. But yeah, I don't know. You're dealing with risk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I could. I mean, I'm not saying I'm projecting it. There's a big difference there, and I don't know if I'm drafting him as a three either. But I think he could be a league winner if you get him as a three, and he and he does go Giolito because, I mean, Steamer's projecting him to go Giolito. Basically, that's just that's too aggressive. I would not take. I would. I'm with you. I would take the worst because I think it's too aggressive of a projection to count on.
2: But. Upside for yeah, sure. Some, some of these guys going below him, like, like Kyle Hendricks is going twenty six picks after Nelson Lemet.
0: I'm taking it's, Hendricks.
2: It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, but, I get, I get that Lemet has more K upside, but
0: I'm taking Max Freed over him right I'm there with Hendricks.
2: Uh, I'm taking Robbie Ray too.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
2: But yeah, I'm with I'm with you on that. Yeah, there's quite a few guys below him that I would. I don't dislike the Nelson but this is there's uh, not a ton of profit baked in or profit potential with this price. I don't feel like, but we'll see. I guess. Yeah, I
0: I get where you're coming from.
2: It's These are a, These are very limited samples too. It's only 10 drafts. So it's not really that big of a deal. I'm just glancing yeah. at, you know, I'm just glancing at it for the first time.
0: Yeah, and I think we we're talking about doing a podcast on this soon, so I probably shouldn't be giving too much of this stuff away yet. I want to try to avoid that the rest yeah. of this with the last three. But um Lance Lynn, he had a rough 2018 after getting Tommy John surgery I think 2 years before that and he rebounded rebounded really strong last year having what was one of if not the best season of his career in Texas of all places too. He had a 16 and 11 record, 3.67 ERA and 246 strikeouts in 208 innings. The thing that really stood out when I was looking at his stats and what the big difference was between last year and the year before were the walks. His walk rate was down almost two full walks per 9. Uh, down from a rate down to a rate of 2.5 this last year, and Steamer hasn't projected for a 4.04 ERA with 208 strikeouts. So, better, worse, or split on those two?
2: Worse on the ERA. I think it's over 404, and over on the K's.
0: That's funny. I think I'm going the opposite. On both. I think I'm saying an ERA slightly better than 404. Not by much, but less than 208 strikeouts. <laughs> That's funny. We finally... If,
2: this guy, I mean, one thing with Lance Lynn, from I just know from watching, because I watched a ton of Lance Lynn this past year because I had him in a couple spots where I really needed him. And uh, that guy goes so deep into games. Yes. Like, he's going... He is going to pile on the innings. I mean, obviously anybody can break down or get hurt, but if, if that happens, he won't hit the Ks. But if he pitches a full season, I I think it's like a lock that he gets the, those strikeouts.
0: I, Man, maybe I'm just overrating the rest of his career, wondering how he was missing this many bats because before this last year, he wasn't striking guys out at the rates that he was this year. And everybody's striking out more, so maybe I'm just well, yeah, not giving enough to that.
2: They're baking in 40, 40K regression.
0: Yeah, and I'm still I mean, skeptical. he had
2: 246. It's...
0: They're projecting yeah, him for on innings. 192 innings, and let's say he throws 192 innings. I'm putting him at 200. Right there, just right at one per inning. So I'm just saying it's under by a little bit 190 to 200 but it's just hard for me to see him as this 10 11 strikeout per nine guy but maybe that's just stubbornness i don't know
2: yeah i don't i don't necessarily know if he's that but they're gonna just he's gonna be ridden you know Like (laughs) like that guy i mean i remember making jokes with a couple different guys during the season he'd be at like 100 pitches. I'm like, oh, he's still got two more innings left. I mean, he's just – that's just what it is when you're watching. It's so much different. It really is different with him than almost any pitcher. I mean, it was crazy to watch last year. What a season.
0: I used to say that about Justin Verlander. He'd be at 110 pitches, and um, they'd be up 8-1. to one. And he'd be it'd be like August, and they're getting ready to get into the playoffs. And Jim Lynn would still send him out there, and he'd throw 127 yeah. pitches in that game.
2: Well, the other thing with Lynn that I feel like even adds to it more is nobody's worried about burning out his arm. It's oh, not yeah. like no. it's not like the Astros would be with Verlander, like oh, you know, we got to save him for the playoffs or whatever. Like there's none of that going on with Lance Lynn. It's just. Ride him to give the bullpen rest, you know. Yep, god, they did that all year last year.
0: And given Texas, they had a really good output from him and Mike Miner, but it's not like they had a great pitching staff the the rest of the way around, so he was huge for them for that reason. Cause oh, that was yeah. a guy you could count on giving you about seven innings every game. Yep, okay, moving on. The last five years, we got two more to go. Ken Giles has been going back and forth with really good years and really bad years with the ERA. And these are his ERAs since 2015. 1.8, 4.1, 2.3, 4.6, and 1.8 this past season. So, Steamer's trying to play the middle with a projected ERA of 3.56 with 30 saves. So... um. Here's the over or better, worse or split. Mine is, you know, the three, five, six ERA, and does he save twenty five games in twenty twenty? And before I answer that, I will say, or before I ask you to answer that, he is on the last year of his contract before he's a free agent.
2: Uh, I'm not a Ken Giles fan, <laughs> but uh, yeah, twenty five saves. I mean. I don't know. It's not much. Yeah, I think he gets there. What
0: about ERA? It's close, close, though.
2: Is he going to continue that pattern? ERA, I'll I'll take the over just because it's more fun for me. But (laughs) um, 356 is fairly conservative considering what he did last year. Yeah, I'm
0: taking the worse on both. I think he's got an ERA over three five, and I think he gets traded, and he's not at twenty five saves yet because he's already blown ten of them <laughs> by July. Okay, that's an exaggeration, but I don't, I don't expect him to have this great season next year.
2: Yeah, I tell yeah. you, who who was it that last year that everybody was just certain was going to? Oh yeah, Kirby Yates. That yes. was the guy.
0: Yes, that was everybody the guy that was supposed to get traded. <laughs>
2: absolutely certain that he would get traded and then he i didn't he lead the league in saves. I
0: think so I think he, yeah
2: I think I, he did yeah
0: he was I, awesome
2: yeah and it was so common of, of a thought to I actually traded him at both uh Roto Masters 1 and 2 oh yeah off that's season. right last offseason I, yeah yeah I, I'm actually happy with my uh my return on those, but he had an awesome year.
0: But you know what? I still believe it was the right move to move him because you just didn't know. And if I recall in redrafts, he was something like the 11th, 12th, 13th closer off the board. And I wouldn't have had the guts to take him there for that reason, because I didn't expect the Padres to be competitive enough to where I thought they'd move him. They just didn't. And he was awesome. Yeah. I, there was just a lot of risk, I think, baked in there. And, I,
2: yeah, I feel like some of these guys, though, like Will Smith. Everyone was positive he was going to get traded, and he didn't.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like that, just I don't know. That's I, the Giants. Ken Giles probably <laughs> should get traded, and I, you know, easily could not though. It's just I don't know. I'm and I, give
1: think Shapiro, the, I think he is. I think he is
2: the closer. I think he is the closer yes. if he's if he's on Toronto. So I
0: completely agree there. But Shapiro has been pretty good at trading off assets near the end of contracts since he's come into Toronto. They've moved a lot of guys that were free agents to be, and I just don't think there's any chance he's on that squad next July unless his season has just gone really bad and he has no value. And even then, I still think they'd move him. I just think they'd get whatever they can for him because they're not competing next year. I just, I'm giving Shapiro credit, saying I don't. I think he'll take whatever he can get.
2: Yeah, I mean, it sh- he should. They should do it. That's yep. for sure.
0: And they were really good with that last summer. They moved everybody they could. Well, everybody that was, you know, about to be a free agent. Okay, one last one. We got Edwin Diaz. <laughs> And this is probably the guy I was most curious to see what his projection was going to be going into this year, going into 2020. He pitched in 73 games for the Mariners in 2018, saving 57. And he was traded to the Mets last year, and he struggled horribly in his first season in the Big Apple. 26 for 33 in save chances and ended up losing his gig with an ERA of 5.59. Now, his strikeouts per inning were Still an incredible 15 per nine, which is the same it was in 2018, but his walks almost doubled, going from two per nine to three and a half. So, where'd Steamer have him? That was something I was curious to find out. And they've got him at a 2.9 ERA with 27 saves and 98 strikeouts. So, we're going to do a better-worst split here on ERA and saves. 27 saves, 2.9 ERA.
2: What do you got? You know, that's my boy. Mm-hmm. I'll take the under on ERA and the over on saves.
0: I agree. I, I'm not even going to look up his ADP right now. I want to save that for you know whenever what? we
2: get back. I, I want to just say it just because of what we just talked about. Exact same as Ken Giles.
0: Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm. I think yeah. I'm gonna be owning a lot of Edwin Diaz shares next year.
2: Yeah, me too.
0: Because I'm. Too. I'm gonna chance it. Uh, give me. Maybe I'll be proactive and try to draft their setup guy in the reserve rounds of a draft, just in case he starts off horrible. But I just. I don't think it's gonna yeah. happen.
2: Yeah, it's late. Late tenth round. Give me that right now. I think it's, uh, I think it's solid. Yeah. I don't love it, but I think it's good. I mean, could, it's you, Im- fine. Yeah. could you
0: imagine drafting Ken or Chapman in the top of the seventh and then the late 10th, you're taking the late 10th, you're taking Edwin Diaz. And that's all, you've invested a 7th and 10th round pick and a closer, and you got those two.
2: I probably wouldn't take two closers in the first 10 rounds, but, I mean, maybe.
0: I think I did it last year in both of my di- in both of my redraft leagues. And I told myself I wouldn't do it this next year, but if I hear, think of that, that makes me think
2: I could possibly do it. We'll see. Yeah, Diaz got hit really hard last year. At- yes, he did. It's uh it's tough with him but I'm I'm willing to give him another shot. We know we know that he can be the best reliever in the league. His velocity was still 98th percentile velocity, 99th percentile K percentage even last year. I mean I still think most of it's there. It was about as bad of an outcome as it could have been. Um, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll bounce back. Maybe not quite to what he was in Seattle, but I think he, he'll be uh, a lot better.
0: He had one of these years with the where the walks got away from him in 2017. He had a 4.3 walks per nine that year. And I think he lost the gig briefly that season whenever he just couldn't find home plate. Then he bounced back. Yeah, I'll take yeah. my chances on the bounce back.
2: Second year in New York. Mm-hmm. Bit, that too, A little more, a little more comfortable. I feel, I don't know that that may just be narrative, some of that stuff, but I feel like, uh, I don't know, the bright lights and stuff. Maybe just gets to them a little bit. Anybody, you know, there's plenty of guys, but
0: all right. Well, Andrew, like I said, at the beginning of the show, there were many more I felt like I could do, but I had to cut it off somewhere. So I chose this point as a spot to cut it down, shut it down. And we could do a whole nother episode on steamer pitcher projections, but I think we have other stuff we're ready to move into. So I think we'll just cut this off for now. But, you know, thankfully we have a full off season to discuss this stuff. And we'll be doing position previews here in a couple months where we'll be breaking down pitchers more in depth anyways. So we'll probably cover a lot of these other arms and their projections eventually this off season.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to uh, plenty more of them, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, there there are a lot of those guys in the 50 to 100 range. I'm like, oh, I want to do this guy. I want to do this guy. I'm like, you know what? We've got four, what a, four more months before the season begins. We're going to be able to do this. So before we get out of here, this is Thanksgiving week. And that means I want to finish this off by discussing two Thanksgiving. I have two Thanksgiving questions for you, Andrew. First off. What are your Thanksgiving plans this year? And second, what's your favorite Thanksgiving dish?
2: Uh, Plans, pretty much just laying low. We're uh, just going to a family friend's house. I've known them since I was a kid. And uh, just laying low, eating some good food, probably watching football.
0: Your parents are coming, right? Your parents live close to you, right?
2: Yeah, they, they live like ten minutes away.
0: Oh, um, that's nice. Yeah, they're
2: they're going over there too. So Okay. And Who is the fu- uh, go, ahead. No, go ahead Nope so Thanksgiving you said dish? Yes. Man, I tell you, I like all of it.
0: <laughs> I'm with you.
2: Like I don't even have I like everything. Like pretty much all of it. Uh, my mom makes this, it's like cranberry and marshmallow. Um, I don't even know what you call it, but it's awesome. And that's hmm. always kind of been one of my favorites. I love, it's like a salad, like a fruit salad type thing. You know, mm-hmm. I love, uh, I love pumpkin pie.
1: Ah, yes.
2: And, um, but I mean, I like turkey mashed potatoes. I like all of it. Stuffing, sweet potatoes, all of it. Growing up, I really don't even have this. Thanksgiving is probably, if not my favorite holiday, very close.
0: Yeah, it's a great holiday, and I wasn't a huge Thanksgiving guy growing up. Um, Just I, I wasn't a huge turkey guy, but my mother in law started brining turkeys. Have you ever had a brined turkey?
1: I
2: think so. I'm not like a cook by any means, but. Neither am I.
0: And if you brine a turkey, that thing is so dang moist. And that changed it for me. That changed a lot. And we've had a lot of brine turkeys in the last 10 years. And that really just, my wife's got an awesome family too. And I've just really enjoyed, we always spend time with them every Thanksgiving. And this year we're doing it different. We're going simple. I think everybody's just had a, we got a two-year-old, things are crazy. And we're all going to go out and eat this year as compared to doing the whole cooking and doing all all of that. So we're going to go to Cracker Barrel, which they do a real good Thanksgiving feast. So we're going to go there and eat. And um, as for favorite dish, you know, that brine turkey. I mean, everything I agree, the green bean casserole. My wife makes a really good cream corn casserole dish. That's always awesome every year. Sweet potato casserole is my favorite, though.
1: yeah. Oh yeah.
0: That's so good when you get that caramel and nuts on it or whatever it is. Oh, I love that.
2: And pumpkin pie. Turkey, uh, light meat or dark meat?
0: Typically dark, but I don't care whenever it's a brine turkey. Just give me some gravy on it
2: and I'm good. Yeah. I like dark, I think a little bit more, but yeah, Yeah. they're both, they're both fine. All right. Well, you got your, uh, you got your Christmas tree up?
0: Sadly, no, and that's blasphemous coming from me, given I keep sharing photos of Christmas tree cakes every year or every day, but um, the last couple weekends, one of us has been sick, and we just haven't gotten to it, and we will get this by the end of this week. I'm not happy that it's not up yet. We will have it up. Do you have a Christmas tree? I've never really heard you talk about it. Yeah, I just
2: put it up last week.
0: So, you're um, ahead of go. me.
2: Okay. Yeah, surprising, surprisingly, I didn't, <laughs> uh, I didn't have one for years. And I finally was like, ah, I should get one. <laughs>
0: um, there have been years where I've had that thing up on November 1st. And if I could every year, where I, I, I would do it. Just because I'm ready yeah. immediately after Halloween. But do you go colored lights or do you have a white lights? Uh,
2: mine, mine has both. Like it's got the button where you can change it.
0: Oh yeah. You yeah, know that's pretty cool. I take my daughter shopping and we always walk to the um, at the grocery store we walk to the area where they got Christmas trees. And she likes seeing it, I love seeing it. And they've got this one tree with the button and every time she was like, I wanna to touch the button so she always messes around with that tree. So I, I know what that's yeah. I, I think I know that tree if or something yeah, it's
2: like that the lights are already on there
0: and i'm jealous uh. i think that would be a neat way to have it where you could do both my wife is dead set on white lights and i've come more around to it as a kid i hated them i love the color but you know having a multi i could do both and i think that'd be pretty neat
1: yeah
2: mine's like it mine fits perfect like in the corner where i have it it, Uh i like the light that it Cause I don't keep all the lights on in the house. I just don't, you know, Uh um, I keep it kind of muted, but I like the light that the, the white lights give off on the tree. So yes, I'm glad, I'm glad it's up, but after new year's, it'll be down.
0: (laughs) There was a year where we were just so lazy. We didn't get the thing down until February.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny.
0: Oh, shoot. All right. Well, anything else before we get out of here?
2: Nope, that's it. Hopefully we uh, get another show in next week.
0: Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. What, what have we talked about? I know NFBC ranks, we've wanted to talk about the early stages of that. I've got that draft yeah. and hold we're going to talk about. I told Andrew I'm going to try over Christmas break to get a make my list that I previously mentioned the top 100 prospects. We got stuff. Dy- and, top 100 dynasty, you mean, right? Oh yeah, dynasty. You're doing the prospects. And then on top of that, we also will have a lot of winter meeting stuff coming up here in a couple of weeks.
2: So yeah. that'll
0: probably be another podcast just on its own.
2: Yeah, I think that's in two weeks. I think it's the 8th to the 12th of December. I just looked the other day.
0: That's always a fun week. That's oh, a yeah. fun week to just hear about what all's going on. And it's not, I mean, the last few years it's gotten less and less is happening, but it's still fun because it's yeah. rumor crazy.
2: Yeah, I feel like stuff happens around that time and then it kind of dies off until after the holidays. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: get maybe, we'll,
2: maybe we'll get somebody.
0: Maybe we'll get a Strasbourg. Uh, that's the one I'll say. Maybe Strasbourg, maybe Rendon signs. Maybe we get something real cool or a big trade.
1: Yeah, so, hopefully
2: something. Hopefully something.
0: Well, follow us on Twitter. Baseball365pod is our Twitter handle and join our facebook group if you haven't done so yet we're rolling strong i i know it's been a little it's been a little quiet more quiet in there as of late i've noticed it's been about as quiet as i've seen it but there's still conversations going on daily we're just less posts (laughs) but i guess that's it so hopefully the sound was all right today and we'll definitely be listening to hear hear it ourselves and see but until next week take care everybody
2: yeah take care guys